Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 3rd of February of 2023. The Flyers will be back in action coming up on Monday against the New York Islanders. While I've really enjoyed this week because it gives us a chance to exhale, get out of the grind of the season, and you know we have an opportunity here on Flyers Daily because we just keep chugging along like we always do to kind of discuss some other subjects, and we're going to discuss one today. But I'm starting to chomp at the bit to, like, let's get this thing going again. Because this season has been all about finding out who's who and who's what. Who's part of it going forward and who's not. And I want to get back to that. I want to start to get more answers again. Because when they do come back on Monday, four-game homestand, then followed by a four-game road trip, and then creeping up to the trade deadline on March 3rd, you know, we're going to start to get some more answers. Are guys that have taken a step forward going to continue to do that, or are they going to take a step backwards? Are guys that have kind of been just, eh, up and down a little bit, not great but not bad, are they going to take a step forward, or are they going to take a step backwards? There's still a lot of information to come in this final push of the season with 31 games remaining, uh, but that will resume on Monday. But in this episode, we'll get back to the you know, the content stuff that we've talked about a couple times this week on tomorrow's episode. But where I want to go with this one is here. Um, I mentioned it the other day that I wanted to revisit some of the preseason question marks that we had. I remember I did an episode just before the season. It may have, been, may have even been a Monday with Meltzer where I busted out the dirty dozen questions for the Flyers heading into the 22-23 season. And, you know, they were all over the place from the health of certain players, and Sean Couturier, which we haven't seen Sean Couturier on the ice since December of 2021, or you know, questions about Cam York or Morgan Frost or questions about the decor and just all kinds of different things. But one of the big questions, probably the biggest question heading into the season was, what's it going to be like with a new head coach in John Tortorella? Now, when you have a new coach, it's always a big question mark. Where's it going to go from here? Is this coach going to provide the immediate bump or is it going to be a slow, gradual build? Is this coach going to be one that's here for a long period of time in a league where the average tenure of a head coach is under three seasons? So that was a big question mark. And obviously, we know about the personality of John Tortorella. We know about the resume. And I would say, you know, I think Flyer fans were very divided on the hiring of John Tortorella. Some wanted, a lot wanted, Barry Trotz. He ended up not coaching anywhere. Um, Some wanted Jim Montgomery. I remember I threw out Montgomery's name on social media on Twitter, and I got a lot of criticism for it. You know, I wonder if we should go back and look at receipts from some of those people that criticized because Jim Montgomery, yeah, he's got a really good team in Boston, but he's also a really good coach. He's doing a great job. Bruce Cassidy, the former Bruins coach, became available. He ended up going to Vegas in the snap of a finger from when he left Boston. And there were other names out there as well. But the Flyers settled on John Tortorella, and he was the guy charged with coming in and reestablishing a standard, a culture, and a way of playing. Take the organization back to its roots. And I don't mean the roots of the Broad Street Bullies. I mean back to the roots of being an organization that's got a lot of pride 
and a lot of high standard of professionalism and an honest way to play for a fan base, frankly, that determines it, that deserves it and demands it. So John Tortorella is the guy that comes in. So one of the questions, obviously, was what is Torts going to do in year one? And what is Torts going to do long term? And is Torts going to get too much out of this group to prevent the Flyers from having the shot to draft a generational talent in Connor Bedard? Now, we don't know the answer to that yet because it's a, it's a lottery. And while, yeah, you have a better chance of landing the number one overall pick if you have the worst record in the league, and some teams purposely are doing that. Chicago's doing that. Arizona, to some extent, is trying to be the worst team in the league. And, you know, they're putting all their eggs in the next generational player basket. And they've chosen to do that. It's not, it's not a way that I would move forward if I was running a team. I think that that's bad form. But I put out a, tw- a poll on Twitter at Jason Mert. And I said, what grade at this point in the season would you give Flyers head coach John Tortorella? And there's four options because that's the only amount of options they give you on a Twitter poll. A, yeah, the team has responded. B, they've been solid to this point. C, average. And then D, not the right guy. In other words, Torts is not the right guy. And at recording, here's the percentage breakdown. So the number one highest voted area was B, solid to this point. The second highest is A, the team has responded. The third is the third is C, average, and D is 7.2%. So 49.3, 23.2, 20.4, and 7.2%. That's how the percentage of uh, voting breaks down. And I got a bunch of responses to it as well. Like Philip said, except I wanted them to DFL, so that's the standard. If that's the standard, it's an F minus. So I asked, what's DFL? And he said, dead bleeping last. So my response to that was, okay, you wanted them to be dead last. And I said, well, the problem with that is that if you're DFL, dead bleeping last, you have an 81.5% chance of not landing the top pick. And I said, as evidenced over the last decade, tons tons of teams that finish last have not picked one. So... That's part of it. Uh, and then I got some other responses here uh, from Nick Santangelo said, he's not the right guy for them right now. He's doing a good job at a time when they need what they need most is someone who will do the worst job imaginable. His success is an unmitigated disaster. I, I'm sorry. I just cannot. I respect your opinion, Nick, but I think that if you wanted them to hire a crappy coach, to come in and come in here and make them worse, that tactic to me in sports is as bad as it gets. (laughs) To me, that is an unmitigated disaster. And if you do that on purpose, I think that is foolish. That's just my opinion. We disagree on it. Like Noah tweets in and says he ruined the Bedard tank, but the team is better than we thought. So that is encouraging. He also, uh, another guy said, Sportsdad215, he said, if they miss on Bedard just because Tortorella can coach them into some extra wins, then they're really going to regret that decision. But again, did you want them to go out and hire a, a donkey as a coach, 
a guy who was going to not get Travis Konechny pointed in the right direction, that was not going to get the most from Morgan Frost, that was going to make the Drew a wasted trade because Owen Tippett doesn't develop, or Cam York. Is that what is that what you would have preferred? I mean, that's what it sounds like to me based on some of these responses. Uh, Ryan Schiffler tweeted in. Let's counter it. He said, everybody with a C or D are completely wrong and don't haven't watched this team. Sure, it's not the prettiest hockey, but he has gotten a ton out of the young guys and even vets like Hayes and Konechny, etc. He said, this team is only a few pieces away, especially if the young guys play like they have. Now, I don't know if they're a few pieces away. They need they need the hardest pieces to get, which is high-end talent, which is the conundrum. Because there's a ton of high-end talent in this draft at the top of the draft. It's a very good quality draft class. That's the conundrum. I get it. Um, But, look, I don't know how many pieces they are away. Because I don't know how many holes they're going to have after this season. Who they're going to deem as part of this and who's not. So, we don't know how many holes they're going to have to fill. And what's a feasible, what's a way to fill them. If you make some trades, are you getting draft picks? If you make some trades, are you making a hockey trade, a player-for-player player trade? And does what you get back in return, you know, fill a, a more important hole than the one you created with the player you traded away? Those are all things to consider. Now, one other thing to look at when it comes to this season. So right now, the Flyers sit at 21-21-9. They've got 51 points, and that's a point percentage of .500. They're at hockey 500. To me, that's 21 and 30 because you won 21 games and you've lost 30 games, whether it be in overtime or the shootout. Now, in the 21-22 season, so last year, by the way, that's 23rd in the NHL right now, the 22-23, 500 points percentage. But um, the 21-22 season, last season, the Flyers finished 29th in the NHL of 32 teams uh, with a record of 25-46-11, and 11, 61 points, and a .372 points percentage. Yeah, that's 29th in the league. And they ended up drafting Cutter Gauthier high in last year's draft. The season prior to that, the 2020-2021 season, this is a bit of a goofy season. Remember, A, it's only 56 games. B, they had the Mass Mutual, whatever, East Division, and you only played the same seven teams eight times each for 56 games total. But that season... I mean, it was a disaster in the second half, that month of March. But they actually finished with the 19th highest points percentage at .518, a record of 25-23-8 and and 58 points in 56 games. So that's kind of the trajectory of where we've been the last couple years and where they are now. Um, But granted, this year, you know, when you look at John Tortorella, and I know some people didn't want him as the coach because they feel like, you know, his practices are outdated, that he hasn't evolved. I think he's clearly shown that he's evolved quite a bit. And obviously, I was a guy that was for torts right away. The day A.V. got fired, it was the day after the Flyers lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think it was 7-1. to one. And then that night, they also had a home game against the Colorado Avalanche. I remember on the pregame show of that Colorado Avalanche game bringing up John Tortorella's name at that time. I've always kind of kept an eye on him, always been a guy that I've been high on, and I thought he was a good fit. No, I liked Barry Trotz, and I liked Jim Montgomery, too, but 
Torch was a guy, so full disclosure, he was a guy that I was all for. And in this situation, I was really all for because I thought that the organization, A, overcorrected itself from a DNA standpoint and went too far, too soft, and also from a standpoint of accountability, it has to mean something every day or it means nothing every day. So, you know, what has Torts done since he's come in? Well, he's, he hasn't had Sean Couturier for a single game, and he hasn't had Cam Atkinson for a single game. And who knows what either of those players will be when and if they do come back. So, but just want to keep that in mind. So far, he has benched in-game Tony D'Angelo on a couple of occasions, Kevin Hayes on a couple of occasions, and Travis Konechny. Now, this isn't he's benching Nick Sealer or Zach McEwen or Lucas Sedlak when he was here. You're talking about three of the biggest names on the team, D'Angelo, Hayes, and Konechny. Why did he bench them? Because they weren't playing up to the standard that he demands. Okay, he is healthy scratched. Kevin Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Justin Braun. Now, Justin Braun, obviously, is basically the seventh D on this team. But Hayes, D'Angelo, and Ristolainen. Hayes makes $7 million. Tony D'Angelo makes $5 million. Ristolainen makes $5 million. Again, he's not benching or healthy scratching players that are making $1.2 million. He's scratching players that he is demanding more from. He sent down Cam York because he's... There was a little bit of passivity in his play in training camp in preseason. Didn't earn it, so he sent him down. Now he's back up, and he looks really good. He's held every single player accountable. And part of moving this thing forward is resetting that standard of honest play and professionalism. You know, we complained a lot over the last couple of years about the team not playing a full 60, not being ready to play, not having enough, you know, of that resilience and will to win. Well, he's demanding it towards, but some people are complaining that he's holding people accountable for not bringing it. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I would give him an A or a B. I'll have to think about that more. I think he's done a really good job. I th- I mean, look at the beginning of the season. They were missing a ton of players. Then they went through a stretch where they were very healthy before they just lost Zach McEwen and Wade Allison. It looks like Wade Allison will be back on Monday. But they had the second most man games lost to injury through the first 30 games of the season. And they were a team in no position to be losing any man games. But... You know, some people have been critical of that as well. So where do you fall on that? You know, A Throne tweeted and said, F, lose for e- even a chance to draft Bernard. Franchise is a failing dumpster fire. Okay, I'll say it again. You know, in 2017, I had one guy tweet me and say, you know, what? who do you want them to draft? Or, you know, drafting third is better than drafting 10th. Well, that depends on who you draft third and who gets drafted 10th. Because in 2017... The Colorado Avalanche had the worst record in the NHL. They ended up drafting fourth. They drafted the best player in the draft in Kale McCarr. Now, this draft's different because you do have that guy in Connor Bedard right at the top. And there's no doubt about it. 
he's probably going to be the best player in the draft. So it is a little bit different. And in 2017, it was Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick, Miro Heiskinen, then Kale McCarr, then Elias Patterson. So a little bit different, but, you know, Colorado was, from what I understand, was really angry when that NHL draft lottery happened that they ended up fourth after finishing 20 points below the second worst team in the NHL. 20 points below. They ended up drafting Kale McCarr. So this notion that you have no chance to land Connor Bedard, yeah, it might only be a 5% chance. But remember a few years ago, the Rangers, when they drafted Alex Lafreniere, number one overall, I think they had a 3.8% chance. Remember the year that the Flyers moved up from 13 to 2 and drafted Nolan Patrick? Well, we're trying to forget it. But they had about a 2.9% chance to move up to number two. These things happen. Do they happen all the time? No. Will it happen this year? I have no clue. But I'm not about to tailspin an organization that's already been spinning into further being a dumpster fire when I can get a coach in here that can get this thing pointed in the right direction. I think Torts has done that. So, as always, I'd love your responses. And uh, that poll will be open for uh, pretty much the remainder of today. So if you want to get a vote on, go on my Twitter handle, at Jason Mert. You can always DM me there as well, or email me at jason.mertitis at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Day.